Welcome to Embedded Insiders. This is Laura Dolan, Associate Technology Editor with Embedded Computing Design. I'm here with my colleagues Rich Nass, Brandon Lewis, and Alex Pulse. And today we're going to talk about intelligent versus smart. Uh, this is a this is a, a very interesting you know, semantic uh, transition uh, that's happening in the industry. People have been talking about smart devices for a long time, but um, Rich brought up the other day that. You know, what's the difference between smart and intelligent? Do you want to expand on well, that? Well, I'm both. So I wanted you to tell me what the difference was. <laughs> <laughs> well, hold it. If I may jump in then, gentlemen and lady, um, we have to define what smart is because if you think about it, a water tank, I mean, a toilet is smart. It has a float, with a, which is essentially a sensor that turns off the water flow when the tank gets full. To some descriptions in the electronic industry, that smart sensor triggers action. Right. So, I mean, how, where do we, where do we draw the line at smart? I, I really think that the the place that you uh, differentiate between smart and intelligent is really where you start to talk about artificial intelligence and machine learning. So, a smart device. Is a, you know, we've been talking about smart devices in the context of the Internet of Things for a long time now. Um, and that's really sort of what Alex just described. It's, it's a device that has some uh, connection back to some back-end system that maybe sets some thresholds or parameters, or perhaps even those thresholds are, are you know, done in firmware on the device itself. And, but it's really not interacting with its ambient environment, you know, as, um, you know, things happen uh, around it. It's just sort of programmed. It's, it's a smart device. It knows uh, that if the temperature goes above 80 degrees that, you know, it should take some, you know, some action like, you know, turn the, th turn the, the HVAC unit on. But an intelligent device makes decisions based on a lot of other factors. So, um, you know, when you think about um, some of the potential of artificial intelligence, especially in with a neural network running on, say, a, a, a surveillance camera. If you can, if this device can notice several different things or phenomena happening within the environment that it's surveying over a course of time and then flag those as anomalies that somebody needs to follow up on, that's intelligence. Great breakdown. Okay. okay. I would agree with that. Okay, go and ahead, Rich. I'm sorry. As much as I hate to agree with you, Brandon, I, I think I have to agree with you. Where and and I'll, I think I can say it a little more, a little more concisely. Smart is 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 I hate to use this toilet bowl analogy, but I but I guess it works. But <laughs> intelligent is, it learns, and it uses machine learning AI to learn, and it, it it adapts by itself to become to to be able to make smart decisions. That's the way I would define it. And both of those do apply to me, by the way. <laughs> well, and I agree with both of you, gents, but I would say that there is a growing middle area because let's say, for example, that sensor is attached to a smart facility and there's a software program, not AI, but a software program that has multiple choices now. It's got a lookup table. So if the temperature is between 70 and 75, it cracks the windows. If it's between 85 and 90, it turns on the HVAC. If it's between 100 and 150, it calls the fire department. Um, but it's not intelligent, but it's certainly not smart. 
I would have thrown I would throw that back into the category of a smart device because you know the, what I think what you just described is is a decision tree and 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 this is where you you are right it, it starts to get a little bit murky is that you know decision trees and and various forms of um of I don't know how you, you know, principal component analysis different types of um, a, a machine reading, you know, taking in readings and then and then performing some action based on that. Those readings have been around for a long, long time. But I don't know if you know that there's some pre-programmed um, threshold, like I said previously, if I would consider the device looking up that threshold and then making a you know program decision based on that intelligence. Because I'm so new to the industry, um, I would have to agree with Brandon and, you know, based on my limited knowledge of sensors that are smart versus intelligent, I would say it, the toilet bowl analogy does make a lot of sense where, you know, it, it's programmed, it, you know, it, the mechanisms inside the device know, like, how to function, essentially, you know, it knows when to stop filling up the water, it knows what to do when you hit the handle to flush it. Um, you know, so that in itself, you know, that goes back obviously, you know, since whenever toilet bowls like came into being. Um, so that, that concept of smart, you know, has been around for a long time. If, you know, we're going to put it in that category, if we're going to associate it with, you know, something that's not a cell phone, that is just, like a household appliance. You know, we could say the same thing about washing machines and dryers. Dryers know when to stop drying clothes so they don't set them on fire. You know, right. there's a mechanism in there that actually tells the machine, like, okay, we need to shut this off before it overheats. And, you know, when they malfunction, that's how house fires happen. It's very scary. But, you know, they're, they just need to be, um, you know, they need to be built so that they know, like, how to function properly so things don't break. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I think a the sake of sounding redundant, mm -hmm. a smart device is something that um, a programmer, some human somewhere, has left behind their knowledge for that device, you know, via programming for that device to act upon. An intelligent an intelligent system, however, takes different pieces of information. And comes to its own conclusion uh, based on based on those decisions. But a lot of the intelligent mechanisms now have to be based on prior knowledge. So there has to be a, a foundation of the smart concept to build on, so that it becomes intelligent. Yeah, that's, excellent point, Laura. Yeah, that's especially you know relevant as we see um, AI and machine learning sort of layered in on top of. Um, on top of IoT context where, you know, they, this intelligent-ish node at the edge is taking in all of this various data um, and then sending it back into the data center or somewhere else where it's put into a model. That model gets re, you know, retuned, um, optimized, and then an algorithm based on the now more optimized uh, model is sent back down to the node. Um, so it is like a nice uh, continuum. Well, um, I go back to what, what, how we started this with the toilet bowl and the water is a very murky. I think that defined it well. <laughs>
Well, because yes, because then you'll have people talking, for example, about, say, vertical AI. Let's say I've got a system um, that's got some learning in it for a vertical application. Well, I guess it would be considered a, uh, in, uh, artificially intelligent, but to a modern interpretation of artificial intelligence, it would be considered very limited. You know what I'm saying? No, because I <laughs> think of when I think of when I think of AI, I think it's all very vertical. It's going to have to be all very niche, especially for the foreseeable future, right? Well, auto autonomous driving, I would consider a very broad application space because it has to interpret the real world, as it were, and then something like. Um, uh, not to name a company name, but say, for example, if I have an artificially intelligent uh, IGBT driver, it's just learning about a single electrical wavelength or, you know what I mean? In other words, it's, it's, it's looking at the waveform of the power coming out of this one thing and it's using artificial intelligence, but it's not intelligent by a sense of, say, something that does, yeah, image recognition, pattern recognition, that kind of thing. So it's very limited, side. is what you're saying. It's limited, it's kind of like one-dimensional, or it's just focusing on like one specific function. Right. You could almost call it a smart algorithm, you know, mm -hmm. a, 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 an, an interpretive algorithm. But at what point does that smart algorithm become uh, intelligent artificial logic? Right. But so that in your autonomous drive example, though, um, there's not going to be just one AI. You know, there's not going to be one AI on a car. Um, they're going to be right. AI, several algorithms that are running um, on that subsystem, whatever the subsystem is. So, you know, you could have an AI algorithm running on, on the LiDAR. You could have one running on, on a camera. Um, you could have one, you know, you could have several AIs running on all of the different endpoints. On the infotainment systems, the way they communicate between other vehicles, the way they communicate with edge devices. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah, I mean, a car is so much more intricate, so much more complicated because, you know, it's essentially a computer on wheels now. And if anything malfunctions, I mean, that the repercussions could be catastrophic. Yeah, and, and to that end, it, it really is a, a vehicle, just using this as an example, there are a lot of systems like that that are, you know, they're systems of systems. A car is a nice analogy to the Internet of Things because you have all of these systems that make up the vehicle. Um, and I think each of those is going to require, those subsystems is going to require a really highly tuned, optimized AI um, for it. That's safety critical. Yeah. Works for me. Yep, same here. So essentially, the transition comes when the information that the chip acts upon comes from itself and not from an external programmer, to put it in a nutshell, if that is what you're trying to say, Brandon. Yeah. Spot on. So at the end of the day, yeah. can we really do a comparison contrast between smart and intelligent? Does it just build upon itself, or can they actually be two separate entities that you can actually diversify? I think it's it's a continuum, like like everything in technology. Well, I'd want my battlefield robots to be intelligent instead of smart so that hopefully they could interpret the situation a little more fluidly. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So 
That was an interesting little discussion, and now it's time to do the news desk. What do you say, Laura? Sounds good to me. Um, I do want to talk about Lattice Semiconductor Corporation. They've been in the news a lot the last couple of days. Um, they released a new mock XO 3D FPGA, and uh, what this is going to do, um, it's going to help OEMs integrate comprehensive and flexible hardware-based security for all system components. Yeah, that's pretty cool, and uh, you know, sort of segueing from the discussion we just had about smart versus intelligence, mm -hmm. uh, what the uh, Mach-X Zero 3D uh, does is it's, it's, uh, it, it gives you hardware-based security and it's flexible, um, but not only is it able to protect itself, identify um, potential like firmware um, breaches that are happening in the system um, that would affect that device, that FPGA device, it's also able to do it um, for other devices and then and then sort of restore itself. Um, then you've got the, the typical features like um, only loading uh, firmware from trusted devices, et cetera, et cetera. And the fact that it's an FBGA is also conducive to being able to be used in a lot of different types of systems uh, with a lot of different types of components. So very interesting. What else from Lattice is going on? So they recently um, enhanced their Sense AI for low-power IoT Edge devices. Um, some of the new features include a 10 times performance boost over the previous version, and it creates a better user experience um, by expanding the neural network and machine learning framework support. It provides support for quantization and fraction setting schemes for neural networking training, eliminating um, iterative post-processing, and it also offers simple neural networks debugging via USB. That's awesome. You know, um, Lattice uh, Sense AI is a really um, intriguing solution stack uh, for edge developers. Um, Sense AI, I was able to speak with some Lattice reps uh, when Sense AI was being launched. And what it does is it sort of puts Lattice uh, programmable logic solutions, which are typically seen as like glue logic that are going to be out at the edge, just inter used for interface, et cetera, um, into the game as far as uh, artificial intelligence goes. So you're putting a lot more of, uh, you know, logic uh, processing capability, decision-making capability way, way closer to the edge. Mm. And these enhancements to Sense AI are just an evolution of, of that vision. So, yeah. so we're just relinquishing all our power to machines, basically. <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> what's left for us the to do? The robot overlords, <laughs> as they say. We're going to have smart doorbells, smart security cameras, <laughs> which we already do. They're no, just... they're, they're intelligent. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Yes, you're right. <laughs> um, in other news, I, I want to talk about Acronics. Um, a chronic semiconductor, their provider of FPGA-based hardware accelerators and high-performance FPGA IP, um, they recently developed a new FPGA family that claims to meet the demands of artificial intelligence and machine learning with a high, high bandwidth data acceleration application. Yeah, one of the uh, things that Acronics is known for is eFPGA, so that's embeddable FPGA mm -hmm. IP, which um, has been a around as a technology for a while. Um, I guess we'll talk about this next week when we talk about Bleeding Edge and where we are with that today. Mm -hmm. But um, it's only really started to take off commercially within the last year, two years or so. Um, and obviously the ability here is that you're able to drop this IP into larger SOCs um, and then do a lot of different things, what be it machine learning, be it data acceleration, um, you know, what have you. Um, and Speedster uh, is actually not EFPGA IP. It's actually um, based on their EFPGA IP. It's manufactured wow. on a 7 nanometer FinFET process. Um, so a really advanced node there. 
Um, if you're looking to find out more, you can visit Acronix's website. Sounds good. And uh, lastly, I want to talk about neural technologies. Um, they're going to demonstrate their digital twin technology to leverage 5G networks and meet customer demands at TM Forum Digital Transformat. So, um, wow, we just went through a lot of FPGAs. We, we really did. <laughs> <But, laughs> they were in the news a lot lately. <laughs> but, um, but, but shifting gears a little bit, um, for digital twins, uh, those of you uh, in the audience who aren't familiar with the digital twin, basically what it is is it's a virtual representation of a physical object, device, system, what mm -hmm. have you. Um, and the reason that that is significant is that it allows you to simulate um, what would happen to a system under a you know X or Y load. Um, so this is also really bleeding edge. You can go out and project what's going to happen um, on your digital twin um, and then make sure that you tweak the actual operation, um, the operating parameters of your systems um, accordingly. Um, neural technologies, however, is using digital twin technology in uh, 5G networks, um, and that's really going to help um, offer new service types, probably um, visualize and uh, project out what um, and what type of bandwidth is going to be available, um, how network traffic flows are going to um, come about on new, new 5G networks. So it's something you should uh, probably keep an eye on. They have an AI uh, data model. Um, so exciting stuff to really emerging enabling technologies riding together um, into the future. Absolutely. I'm glad they're leveraging 5G. It's going to be the next big up and coming thing. Oh, yeah. So. Super connected, super fast, connectivity everywhere. Absolutely. So um, all of this stuff, uh, all of these, all of this news was actually located where? It's actually located on our website. <laughs> Funny you ask. Uh, if you want to go to embedded-computing.com, uh, we have all the latest news posted every day. Um, you can also go and like us on Facebook under Embedded Computing Design. You can join us on LinkedIn under Embedded Computing. Follow us on Twitter at embedded underscore comp, C-O-N-P. And go and follow us on Instagram under embedded underscore computing. We post a lot of content there when we go to shows and um, when we launch our contests. Do we have any contests going on right now? Anything as far as yes, dev kit? Yes, we do. <laughs> um, shameless plug. Yes. Um, we are actually partnering. Um, we at Embedded Computing Design are partnering with DigiKey. Um, and what this is is it's a dev kit giveaway, but it's also paired with a dev kit uh, design contest. Mm -hmm. So the way it works is you enter a raffle. Um, a kit, new kit every month uh, is raffled off to the participants. Um, and then that winner has the opportunity to submit a paper design, so uh, you can draw it up or use whatever schematic type of tool you have uh, to show an application that could be built using that development kit or at least just a prototype. And once those are submitted, you have an opportunity to win some cash. So, uh, and that's cash now in the, in the current month, and then at the end of the year, there's also um, a bigger cash prize uh, for the best of the best. So. Um, some exciting stuff, but a lot of stuff going on at Abetic Meeting Design. Very cool. So keep an eye out. Uh, we will be updating those uh, weekly, excuse me, on Instagram. Uh, keep an eye out for our Insta stories. And as always, uh, thank you for tuning in and keeping up on the news with us and for trusting us. <laughs> and uh, until next time, we are Embedded Insiders. Thanks, Laura. Thank you, Brandon.